Good morning, good morning. We are glad you're here. There is nothing better than 20 minutes of focused worship. Just to get in the presence of the Lord. I tell you, when you sing, I exalt thee, the mountains, they melt like wax. I forgot about everything else. I forgot that I haven't slept. I forgot about cleaning up, throw up, and everything else. It just melted off. It was, it, it was miraculous. I experienced God. I hope you all did too. <laughs> Here's a few announcements. Next week is baptism. We will have it as a part of our service. At the end of service, if you have not signed up, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior, and you have not been baptized, you can sign up outside in the foyer right there. And then we've got our life groups, married people. Come on now. It's good to be married. Eight weeks. It starts the 18th. It is here at the church Wednesdays, 630 to 730. It's Jimmy Evans' Marriage on the Rock video, and we have a discussion time also. All right, so that starts the 18th. And then lastly, ladies, get together, hang out the 28th, 9 a.m. here at the church. That is it. That's what's going on. All right, let's learn something from the Word of God. I always, I always love a Sunday when I was studying the week before. I'm like, ah, I never noticed that. I didn't see. Look, and so I, I, I get excited. I'm like, guys, did y'all see this? Sometimes I know y'all not, I know no one's excited as I am. I'm like, look at this. They're like, that's good, Stephen, that's good. But let's learn something from the Word of God. We're in a series that we started last week, The I Am's of Christ. Seven times in the book of John from chapter 6 to chapter 15, he's going to proclaim I Am's. He's going to proclaim who he is in his personality, the, the personality that we need to study because it never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Right? Do you know why it never changes? You know why that scripture's in there? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he's perfect and he cannot change. He cannot improve. He cannot get any better. If you ever didn't understand it or doubt it, just look at the cross and say, my God is perfect. Amen? So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8 or your apps, and let's look at this. Now we're going to read one verse, and then we have to set all this up to understand what's going on. So John chapter 8, verse 1 says this. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Okay, we know that was about an, a mile-ish from the temple. You went down the valley and went up on the mountain. You, when you're sitting at the Mount of Olives, you saw the temple over there. That's the way it starts off. But we need to understand why he went there. You always need to know the why, right? The why you do something in life is extremely important. You always need to know your why. If you've got a why, then you, you're motivated, you're focused. Jesus had a why he went to the Mount of Olives. And let me break this down for you. So what happens is the day before, he's at the temple. And it's day eight of one of the largest feasts in Israel. It's the very end of this feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Feast of Tabernacles are also booths. You know, in the way, if you go all the way back to Exodus, when the children of Israel were in the desert, they lived in these tent things. They lived in branches pulled over, lived in tents. So to commemorate that every year, one of the three big events in Israel was the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was eight days. It was centered on Jerusalem. And they partied for eight days. We understand festivals, don't we? We get that here in Acadiana. We know that. 
So eight days have happened. So there's a lot of people in Jerusalem. Now remember, Jesus didn't live in Jerusalem. He lived in Galilee in the north in a very mixed multitude, about half Jewish, about half everything else, because it was trade routes, over a million people in the area where he lived on the Sea of Galilee. He traveled every Passover, that was one of the big feasts, and every Feast of Tabernacle, like a faithful Jewish man would, to the temple. So what happens is, when he gets there, The Pharisees are trying to uh, silence him. Everyone else wants to hear him. You've got all these voices, all these different things going on. And the, the, the day before we've just read, Jesus stands up in the temple in chapter 7 and says, If anyone thirsts, come to me. And he said that around the, a pool of Shalom where it was right there. So this is all these things that happened. Let me read you a few verses. We're going to read John 7, 37, 40 and 40. Five to 49, so you understand the busyness and everything that happened, why he went to the Mount of Olives. Let's look at this. John 7, 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let's go to 40. Therefore, many of the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is a prophet. And then they said, Oh, no, wait, this is the Christ. And then some went back and forth and argued all of these different voices, all of these different opinions. It was a opinion-filled, voice-filled world and area. That's the one we live in, isn't it? Constant opinions, constant information. Both friendly, both neutral and hostile. That's always your life. Friendly, neutral, and hostile. That's the way it works. Verse 45, then the officers came and the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? See, what happened was they had paid money to get Jesus and get him out of the temple because he is messing up stuff. They didn't get him. What happened? Why? Let's look. The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this. I was going to arrest him. Then I looked in his eyes and it just didn't look human only. And And then I heard his words. And I had to, I couldn't be angry at him. I had, I had to listen. No man ever spoke like him. Then the Pharisees answered them, are you deceived also? You see, the first thing that happens when you come to Jesus is often hostility. You changed. You're different. You, you, you have no affiliation higher than that of Jesus Christ and his salvation. And people get angry and get frustrated. Are you deceived also, the religious leaders said? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Okay, now it's character assassination. The Pharisees say you are deceived, and all these people who are following them, character assassination. Nothing they say matters. It doesn't matter. I'm, com- I'm going somewhere with this. All right, so this is the complex thing that's going on. So the way it ends is they just don't have an argument for Jesus. They don't know how to deal with him. They, they can't deny him. They never can um, mentally, emo- uh, philosophically overcome him. He's God. So all of this ends, they go to their own house and he goes to the Mount of Olives. He goes to his place of prayer. He goes to his place of focus because of verse 2. Now, early in the morning, he came again. Look at someone and say, again. Oh, 
again is a beautiful word. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Some of the manuscripts say very early. It was still dark, like he's the first one at the church. His prayer place and his place with, with his heavenly father was in the Mount of Olives where he could get away and focus and silence the voices, all the mess, any offense that would try to get on him can't touch the sinless son of God. He is filled with heaven in the Mount of Olives and he walks into the place of chaos again in the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Oh, I'm going to tell you, that is a lot of work from Jesus the Savior just so he could clarify who he was and what was going on in their life. All the work the previous day, all the different voices, going in, losing sleep, refocusing and receiving from heaven, getting up early in the morning to go to a confused people who said the Pharisee said this, and then they said this, and some says the prophet, and da, 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 da. And Jesus says, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I will do whatever it takes to remove all confusion, to bring absolute clarity to each individual. I will sit down and I will communicate who I am as the Savior of the world. Oh, now that's good news. That's a lot of work. Let me tell you about Jesus. He's been doing the work of the Father from the foundation of the world. Amen? He ever lives to make intercession for us. He's not done working, in fact. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's pretty busy and he's preparing to come again and take his bride at his time. A pure, spotless bride. I don't know about you, but to make me pure and spotless, that's a lot of work. But he's done it. He's done it on the cross and he continues to do it. You got some notes there. Let's look at this. Let's learn something. I began to look at this whole big thing, all this work, everything Jesus was doing. And I thought, Number one on your notes, Jesus was determined to be continual light. I have some determined days. Oh, they're good, right? I mean, you just blow it up. You're, you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. But I don't have those all the time, <laughs> right? Jesus has them all the time. It is not your will or your power or your strength that will keep you in his light. Amen. You know whose it is? It's the sinless son of God who will work all day, silence all voices, intercede and go early in the morning to sit with you and say, I will make things clear to you. I will bring total freedom to you. For who the son is set free is free indeed. And he's the author and he's the finisher of your faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he will bring you to the place you want to be. Moreover, he will bring you to the place he's called you to be. Whatever fear you're dealing with, whatever marriage issue, whatever relationship issue, whatever physical issue, he is determined, right? If it was just you, we're depressed already. I'm not depressed. I'm not frustrated. I'm not tired because he is determined. And is his arm short? Does he sleep or slumber? Mm -mm. No, he does not. That's not what I saw new in the Bible. That was just, that was an appetizer. Let's look at a couple pictures here of determination. I like this one. This is my favorite. That. 
that. You just just stare at it for a minute. You got you almost said look at it, make sure you know what you're looking at. Now that is determination. I want to know how long it took Fido to get his own tail. I was told a dog couldn't chase his own tail and catch it. That's what I was told all my life. I got to tell my grandpappy he was wrong. (laughs) Grandpappy, I seen it. That is determination right there. To that, I don't want (laughs) to equate Jesus to a dog. (laughs) Maybe I didn't think this one through. But I'm telling you, the, the, your Savior, his name is Jesus, is so overwhelmingly determined. He will make, he will bring you to the place he has called you to be. You need to be encouraged. He will bring that area you're frustrated with or struggling with or what you don't like about yourself or what you don't like about this or that in your life. He's determined. It's above your ability. It's bu- above the issues of this world. It's above good or bad government. It's above good or bad uh, history or life. It's above a good or bad parents or how you grew up or what side of the tracks you grew up on. He is greater than that. You lay that aside and say, it doesn't matter what happened in the past. God is determined to bring me to light. Amen? So that's the way you talk. That's who Christ made you. That's the way we live. That is the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. All right, Fido, good job. We'll, in, we'll end it with Oswald Chambers. It's like the Christian thinker. You know, remember that the thinker statue? I saw that and like, he, he looks like the Christian thinker. The Christian life is one of spiritual courage and determination lived out in our flesh. That's what the Christian life is, lived out in our flesh. All right. Let's keep looking in John chapter 8. So early in the morning he comes in. And all the people come to him and he sits down and he teaches them. He's going to bring light. He's going to do it. You know, some of these people had been in confusion, false uh, religions, all kind of mess for years. And maybe you've been in it for years. And it's hard for you to imagine that you'll ever live in the light. But Jesus said he'll bring light. It doesn't matter the darkness you're in. So I want to encourage you. He loves you. He's for you. And however many times he has to do it again and again and again, he will bring you to the light. You have to believe him because he's not a man that he should lie. Amen? All right. Let's keep looking. Verse 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, not because they loved her and not because they cared about the law. She was a pawn in a dark, wicked group to be used as a tool. Whereas the man is not even in this story. They don't love her. They don't care about the law. All they want to do is try to trap Jesus. All they want to do is try to distract him. This is what I never saw in the Bible. Verse 3 says they brought her and set in the midst. Now, you know the story. They say, look, this woman's caught in, in, in adultery in the very act. The Old Testament says, look, we get to stone her. What do you say? Jesus, what does he famously do? And I never got this. He doesn't answer. He stoops down and doodles in the dirt. 
or write something. There's a lot of different things about what he, they, some people thought he, you know, he, he wrote out a law, this and that. But he's totally disconnected, isn't he? It's like, do you, at first you're like, wait, does he care about this lady? Absolutely. We know he does because he's going to pull her out of this group. He's pulling her out of this thing. You're not going to be with that group anymore. They don't love you. They want to use yours upon. All they want is to advance their cause on, on your back. And I'm pulling you out of that. Don't think he doesn't love this woman. He does deeply. What he doesn't give a rip about and he's going to get rid of is their dark distraction. That's what this is. He is in the middle of speaking life. The day before, he's proclaimed that he, those who come to him, they will never thirst if they come to him. And the whole story of the woman caught in, the, uh, in adultery is all right there. And he's so disconnected from it. I never understood. So they give him all these accusations. He never says anything. He doodles in the dirt. He doodles in the dirt. And so they're waiting. Finally, he, 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 he sits up. He's still sitting. And he says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. Right? Very famous scripture. And it says they go out one by one, starting with the elder. They're all convicted. They don't know what to say. Then he disconnects yet again from that group until he, he just knocked them out. He doesn't lord over them. He doesn't want to have anything to do with them. He stays totally disconnected. The Bible says he just goes back into looking at the ground. What? What in the world? Why? Because all that whole mess was only a distraction, and he doesn't get pulled into distraction. He doesn't get offended. He doesn't take a third-party offense. He doesn't get angry. He sees the need of the woman, and he's going to pull her out of that darkness. But he doesn't live a life in offense and distracted. Uh Uh-uh. Because as soon as he's done with this woman, as soon as he's done saying, where are your accusers? She goes, I don't, they're not here. He goes, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Now, as soon as that's over, look what the words out of his mouth in John 8, 12, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. That whole middle part was them trying to distract him from what? From proclaiming the great I am, that I'm a light of the world, and who walks in me won't walk in darkness. And I never understood they were just trying to pull him away from his God-given purpose, his God-given identity which is oh so valuable. Your faith is worth way more than, than rubies, way more than your 401k. I don't care if it's seven figures. Your faith is much more precious than gold. That's what the Bible says, right? And i like, oh, I just realized what was going on. That pull of distraction, number two on your notes. Recognize the distractions of darkness. Recognize them in your life. Identify them in your life. You know what a big one is? Offense. You grab an offense and you get a hold of it, you are distracted for, you're distracted as long as you hold that offense. As long as you hold it, it will ruin your life. Unfortunately, I have children, and this is a world, and this is the illustrations you get because I got a bunch of kids. I only have one dog, so you don't get very many dog illustrations. Fido's the best you get. So yesterday, Ellie and Zoe were got six and a seven-year-old, 13 months apart. It's going good. It's going good. They're playing in a little tent they've got, doing house, doing house. Someone wanted to cook. 
and someone wanted to serve. But they couldn't decide which one. And about 10 a.m., an explosion happened in that little circus tent that they bought. Oh, my goodness. So bring him in. Okay, you two have to forgive. You got to forgive each other. Ellie goes, I'm not going to forgive her. That's what she says. I'm not forgiving her. I said, do you love her? Yes, but I will not forgive her. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, ladies, honestly. (laughs) Okay, I was stumped. I didn't know what to say after that. I was like, call my bluff. Hold on. I got to talk to my wife and pray. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. And so this is what you do. Okay, parents, say, listen, I'm going to go talk to mom about this. That's what you say when you don't know what to say next, and it gives you an out. And they just think you're collaborating with your spouse. You just say, I'm going to go talk to mom about this. Hold on. <laughs> let me, Jesus, let me find something. So I go to her. I say, okay, honey, listen, we got a fun day plan. We're going to ride bikes. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But you're not going to do it mad and offended at her. So your choice is to forgive her or you're going to stay in your room. I got her now, don't I? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Hooked. That dang seven-year-old. Fine. I'm not going to forgive her. I will sit in my room. Oh, my goodness. Hold on. I got to go talk to your mother again. <laughs> I was stumped again. That's two strikes. Help me, Lord. She sat in that room for a few hours until she finally decided and realized, I am so distracted. I am so bound up. I can do nothing in life because of this unforgiveness. It does not matter if you're seven or 70. It will bind you up and hold you and distract you from every good thing. Every good thing the Father has for you. In your life. Amen? The father had good plans. The father's plans were derailed by sin and rebellion. But that's not us. Amen? We are free. Recognize as Jesus did those distractions and treat those distractions just like Jesus did. They're just doodling in the sand. I always thought he just didn't, like, you're not reacting right, Jesus. Of course, I was wrong when I read that, right? I I knew (laughs) He knew exactly what he was doing. I will not get pulled into this. I will not get pulled into that mess. I'm only here for that woman to pull her out of it. And I'll send all of you distractors out because this is my house. Amen. Now we understand how great of an I am he is a little bit better. Craig Rochelle said it very well. You will never do big things when you are distracted by small things. Amen. And that is what Jesus knew oh so well. Let's keep looking. Verse 12. So we've seen the big distraction. He's removed the distraction, and that woman is focused and closer to him. Verse 12. Then Jesus spoke again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Another again. First we have all of verse 27. Then he, he has to go to the Mount of Olives, spend the night, focus in prayer, go back to them. Then in the middle of his teaching, they barge in and do all this. He removes that again. 
Oh, he's, a, he's so patient. He's so loving. He's so faithful. He's so kind. Yet again, he removes it just for that one. To get rid of all of them. They have, they have no heart for me. They have no heart for the law. I'm going to take that one and pull her out. Then he takes a breath and he's not just speaking to her. He's speaking to everyone who's still there. Now listen to me. If you decide to live your life in freedom, not the pain of the past, not the false accusations, not distractions, you will be able to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear him. If you decide to live your life in anger or frustration or, or uh, distracted, you, it's going to be hard for you to hear. Amen? You, but these people now are in a quiet temple sitting with Jesus, the Son of God, as he proclaims the second great I am, I am the light of the world. Now, a little backstory on the history of where they are. So they're in the temple, right? The big eight-day feast has just finished, right? So they're in the temple, and it tells us exactly where they are in the temple in John 8, 20. If you just, let's look at this, just let's look at John 8, 20 right here. It says these words, this is just at the end of the story. These words Jesus spake, it spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. Why is that in the Bible? No unnecessary details. I say that all the time, right? No unnecessary details in the Bible. So in the treasury were two giant candelabras, the biggest actually in the whole city. They were so large that they would only fill them with candles, and candles were expensive and hard to make back then, Fill them with candles and light them during the feasts. So the feast has just ended. These candles have been burning for eight days, and now they put them out. But the next day, Jesus walks in after the smell. You know, the candle smell lingers, doesn't it? You know if you've been burning candles in the house for a while. You can smell it. They said these candles were so large that at night in Jerusalem, you could see the light of the temple anywhere in the city. And it was, Jerusalem was a big city. That's how big there. It would, it would make the whole temple glow. So Jesus steps up with the, the smoke still maybe fluttering. With those best man could do to light. The best man could achieve to bring light into darkness. Jesus steps up and says, I want to tell you, I'm standing in a temple. And he says, I am the light of the world with giant candelabras right behind him. And he does it again. It's a beautiful picture to me. Number three on your notes. Perseverance is the key to revelation. Perseverance is the key to revelation. So we need, knew Jesus got up really early. Does the Bible also say someone else got up early when we started our story? They did too. Whoever it was who was wanting the truth, who was wanting to know Jesus, who was wanting to hear his voice, who were wanting to get some things clarified in their life, they got there early with him also. He's persevering. His perseverance is the greatest. His perseverance gives us even the ability to persevere. His perseverance is unfailing. And then we mimic him and we say, okay, I'm going to persevere because that's where revelation comes. 
I was reading another scripture I never got. 2 Corinthians 12. I do know the Bible. That sounds bad. This guy doesn't even know his Bible. <laughs> Come on, we're Bible readers. It's, this thing's alive. It'll jump out at you and grab you. It's not only the logos. There's two words for word in the Bible. This is logos, the written word. There's another word called rhema. It's the, it's the inspiration. Maybe the, the Holy Spirit whispered to you. Maybe someone gave you a word of wisdom or knowledge. This thing is both. It's logos and you're reading it and well, bam, it'll rhema you right upside the head. In a, in a great way, in a good way. You want to be. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 2.12. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished. Okay. The apostle. Apostle. Signs, wonders, miracles, prophecies. When I was little, when someone said apostle, it was like thunder behind them. Apostle. No. <laughs> they only did it one way. Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with what? With perseverance. With perseverance is the way apostleship happened. They just put their head down. They knew that's what God told them to do. And they say, God is so good. He's so faithful. He has started a work. He'll complete it. He's determined to bring me to holiness and righteousness. He saved me through the blood. They were done with perseverance. In what? Signs and wonders and mighty deeds. How do you get signs and wonders and mighty deeds? What does the Bible say? Perseverance. All right, I like that. That's good. It, made, it just made my job simple. I was like, okay, Lord, I understand. I can persevere. I was reading a Costco magazine because they come to my house, and I'm a Costco guy. Y'all know that. If you're not a Costco person, it's fine. You can be whatever you want to be. It's not a cult here. We all serve Jesus, but if you want to go to Sam's, go to Sam's. Costco, I was reading a Costco magazine, and they had this article about a very large study they did. What happened was a woman um, grew up in poverty, and she, a uh, brilliant woman, it was a, like an Asian descent family, and she did, this lo- did her Ph.D. in psychology and sociology, and she said, I need to figure out what is the number one, uh, the number one ingredient for success. Huge study huge over years and thousands of people and all this, they brought it down to one single factor above education. Y'all already know what it is. <laughs> Ab- uh, above talent, above money, above ethnicity, above this, above that, above. Guess what it was? Perseverance. Even the world is catching up now finally to the Bible. Just took a couple thousand years. It's okay. They're slow. Just be patient with them. Perseverance. One more scripture on perseverance. It's a personal one the Lord spoke to me last year. I was having a rough year. I was, I don't remember. Kids, sleep, I don't know, something, something, no telling. I can't remember now. That's why you don't ever get too upset. You don't remember what the bad thing was. So I was, I was reading this scripture, and this thing became rhema to me. So Paul is writing to the Galatian church, and they have fallen back into works instead of the grace of God. They're falling back into, well, I'll just get saved by trying to do these works instead of God's grace. And he writes to them, he says, my little children, for whom I labor in birth. What does that next word say? I'm telling you, that thing jumped out at me. And the Holy Spirit whispered and said, Stephen, do it again. The hardest physical thing that can possibly be done by a human, which is give birth. No one's going to argue that. Paul said, I am willing to do that again. 
until Christ is formed in you. That is the greatest statement of perseverance outside of Jesus dying on the cross I have ever seen in my life. I am willing to go through labor again for you until Christ is formed. Come on now. Come on. I was like, oh, it, it encouraged me. It inspired me. It lifted me up. It filled me with strength. Yes, Lord. Again. And then I'm reading in John this week. And he says, then he went again. Then again. Then again. If you keep reading again four times. Then again. Then again. Perseverance is the key to revelation. Let's keep going here. We're going to round home. I am the light of the world. Verse 12. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Our salvation is an event. It is a one-time event. Some of you, it may have been young. I got saved when I was young. Some of you, it may have been when you were older and you remember it very well. When you came to the foot of the cross and when the Holy Spirit whispered and said, you're a sinner, but there's a great Savior. And you knew that Jesus was Lord. And you knew that you needed a Savior. And you knew that your blood, your, your sins were not forgiven, but if you went to the blood, that they would be. That's an event. But here Jesus proclaims a lifestyle. Your salvation is an event that happens. Boom, you're saved. Can't be any more saved and going to heaven that at that moment. But he says, I got a lifestyle for you. I've got this process of sanctification I want to bring you on. And it's not just an event. We start at an event and we walk with our Savior. He says, whoever follows me. You know, it's funny about that. That's a perpetual statement, isn't it? There's no ending to that, isn't it? So on this earth, the no ending can be difficult sometimes. You've got to pick up your cross and carry it daily, right? We just talked about we, we, we live in um, forgiveness. We, we don't harbor bitterness or frustration or whatever. We, we've got to uh, listen to false accusations. We've got to deal with other people's sin. We've got to help people when they stumble. All those difficulties are following me. There's some light afflictions, light afflictions. Let me tell you, you need to think about this. You will be following him for eternity. Eternity. When you have faith in him. Yes, you're following him now in some difficulty. Yes, there's trials and tribulations. I get to follow him for eternity that where he is, I may also be, he said. I will be in heaven with him. Where he's going fishing, I'm going fishing. That's my interpretation. But he had a boat. Or the disciples did, and they were fishermen. So I'm going fishing with Jesus. I don't know how long it'll take, but I promise you I'm going fishing with Jesus. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I want you to think about your life. If When you got saved, if it's a powerful, unbelievable moment, praise God. If it was when you were seven like me, and you were seven, but you knew Christ was Savior, praise God. That is the greatest and most important thing. But the second thing in your life should be, I'm submitted to the Lord. Where he goes, I go. It's not something I prayed when I was six and I just live my life and do whatever. Absolutely not. That is not Christianity. That's misery. 
because you have this truth, but you're not surrendered. You have, that's what he's saying. He's just got through teaching them. Finally, the voices are over. Finally, he says, you come to me and you won't thirst. You come to me and you'll never walk in darkness. Now he says, follow me perpetually for the rest of your life, all of eternity. I am yours and you are mine. That's the deal. Oh, come on. Oh, these light afflictions are nothing could be compared with you get to follow Jesus for all of eternity. Come on, that is, that is the most wonderful thought. How do we do that? Number four in your notes. It's faith. Faith brings constant leading. Do you trust him? Do you trust the living God? Second Corinthians Five, seven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. He said, follow me. Follow me from the day you come to the cross into eternity, and you'll always be following me. It's a perpetual statement that started you, and you will never stop. Romans 14, 23. Jesus is talking about, again, they're just getting into works and back and forth about food issues and all that kind of stuff. People always get real upset about food. <laughs> But he who doubts is condemned, and if he who eat is condemned, if he eats because he does not eat from faith. He's talking about trusting the Lord in all things. He's talking about don't worry about what other people are doing. You just trust in the Lord in all things. For whatever is not from, what does that say? Is what? The reason all that debacle, and you got a whole chapter in 14, and he has to end it like that, is because they stopped following him and got distracted on something silly. It's the food issue. They got distracted. They got all caught up. They should be eating this and you should be. Follow him. Follow him by faith. Follow him because you trust him. Follow him because he's the great I am. Follow him because it will be your eternal destiny to do that. Amen. Let's stand up. I told you I was more excited about it than you guys were. (laughs) That's okay. We're Bible readers, all of us. Come on, all of us. We're Bible readers. We're Bible studiers. We look at it. Although I've read John chapter 8 a hundred times, and I say, look at that. Oh, my Savior. Oh, you, you are the light of the world. I never saw that light. I've been doing this for 20 years. I never, oh, oh, you're the light of the world. In you is is no darkness at all. And when I follow you, I don't walk in darkness. But I have continual light, continual leading, continual confidence because you're so determined. Come on. He's a good God and he loves you. Let's come to him right now. You come to your Savior right now. Go to him. See him in that temple. See him after the talk, just like this one. See him standing up. And he's walking out. See those people who have to follow him. They can't stay in the temple. The temple's great. But they realize there's the light of the world. And I'm never leaving that. And they walk with him right out into eternity. 
into forever. And they've been following him 2,000 years. Listen to them proclaiming, now that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off this sin that so easily entangles and let us run this race following our Savior Jesus. Oh, yes. Spend just a minute with Jesus, just however you want to. determination. It's his strength and power that will hold you in your weaknesses. You recognize those areas that have distracted you, consumed you in darkness, and you say no more. They will not have my attention. I'll give the dirt on the ground more attention than I'll give those things. They're death and I want life. You ask the Lord to reveal them to you, for he will. He is the revealer of all truth. You place dirt on the ground at higher value than the distractions of darkness and offenses and anger of this world. You will have no part of it. Rid yourself, the Bible says, from all anger and malice in morality. Rid yourself from it. Come on, tell them right now. He's given you perseverance because he had it. Come on, ask him to fill you with faith for continual leading. Come on, ask him. Lord, I want to follow you closer. Better. Find that wonderful freedom of surrender. Oh, there's a wonderful freedom in surrender. But the greatest freedom you'll ever experience is surrender. If he's your Savior, sing it to him.
all the time and never satisfied I've never given my life to Jesus I've heard about him but I've never laid my life down and said you're mine and I'm yours and I'm done with this world God forgive me my sins come into my life I know you're the savior and the only one if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to experience the light of the world he said come he said come unto me all that that are weary and heavy laden He said, confess your sins and believe in your heart on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If there's anyone here and you don't know Jesus as Lord, as Savior, you can know Him today. But you got to confess Him before man. That's a command. He said, those that confess me before men, I will confess before my Heavenly Father. Those that deny me before men, I will deny before my Heavenly Father. This is a wonderful place of people who love you. We love you. I know these people. They love you if you're new with us. But you got to confess him. If you've never given your life to Jesus, heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand. You can do that today. Is there anyone like that? Savior. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you will do it again and again and again. Church, I want you to be filled with faith. No matter what you have gone through in your life and no matter how long you have gone through it, He will do it again and again and again until you are free, until you have clarity, until you have peace, until you are exactly where He wants you to be, until you understand the wise he will again and again and again and again do not doubt it do not think you just have to live like this until you go to heaven he will do it now here and as we close in prayer whoever is here and they felt like that I have just lived like this so long it will always be like this that's you, you don't have to come up, I'm not going to embarrass you but if that's you, I want you to raise your hand I see that hand I see that hand now we're going to pray Jesus said he's the light of the world and those words will break that over you I see that hand, I see those hands let's pray in the name of Jesus Christ the name above every name we all pray together Lord And we break that in the name of Jesus that I'll always be like this. I'll always have to live in the past. I'll always be affected by who hurt me and who did that. We break that in the name of Jesus. 
freedom in Jesus' name. When he proclaimed he's the light of the world, you will not walk in darkness. So in Jesus' name, we speak freedom over every person in this room. Freedom over every dysfunctional family you grew up in, over every negative thought, over every I'm not good enough, over every condescending word, over every bit of darkness or sin. We speak freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. That name is more powerful than anything else and everything must bow to his name. And all that hurt and all that sin, whatever it is, must bow right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on. No, no, he's the king. I'm sorry. He's the king of eternity. He's the light of the world. He's the great I am. Come on. He's the king. He's the king eternal. You'll be with him forever. Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory and honor for we were in darkness and you brought us to your marvelous light. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we've asked, we've prayed, and everyone said amen and amen. You guys have a great day.